how great is that? I think for the first time in forever, I started recording like it's at the right recording. time. It's recording. And the mic's on. Yes, Hello, the mic's everyone. on. The recorder's on. Finally getting this thing done. Yes. Yes, congratulations to you. I didn't say hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Suspiria, the true crime podcast. Slay. And I'm Carol. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Stephanie. And today, we are going to talk about a very, very famous case in Brazil. Heavy hitter. I think one of the most famous cases. It's not the fam- the most famous. Probably top three. Like, we've already yeah. talked about the number one, which is a park maniac. And I would mm. think this is number two. And we haven't talked about number three. But we will I think I think the park maniac is the most famous serial killer. In Brazil, But, yeah. like, a lot of people know that there is a park maniac, but they don't know, like, specifics about the case. It's just, like, in the conscious, like, of the Yeah. Thing. But this case, everyone knows about it. And every, everyone knows, like, exactly what happens. I also feel like... It's because it's, like, a little bit more recent than the Park yeah. Maniac, so there's more media coverage, and, like, that's the true. internet was already a thing when this one happened, so that's maybe true. that's why. Yeah, maybe that's why. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about... Do... I, I, every time I try to say her name, I go, Suzanne. It's not Suzanne. Suzanne von Hichthofen. Yeah, we're talking about mm-hmm. the murders of her parents, Manfred and Marizia von Richthofen mm-hmm. in Sao Paulo, city Long of time the no serial killers, a.k.a. city of Carol, because she's a serial killer. Stephanie, I thought we established that we're not talking about that in the podcast. Okay, okay I sorry. thought it was like public knowledge that you were a serial killer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't deport me, please. <laughs> I mean, they're deporting us for a lot less than this, so ah. they're deporting us for existing. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, you exist? You're from Latin America? Goodbye. Uh, You're yes. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright. So <laughs> let's um, let's try just let's try to um distract ourselves from terrible things with m- more terrible things. I think we should do that. Exactly. Yeah, so the murder. This is like terrible things that will not affect me versus terrible things that will send me back to Brazil. Like mm. someone in the presidency, which I will not name. Anyway. Dude, it's so, dude I don't even want to talk so, about it. So, yeah. Dude, I'm having like major anxiety like, I've been attacks. having anxiety it's for like ridiculous. Two years, Yeah, no, it's, yeah, been, it's been bad. It's awful been bad and everyone knows about it right so good everyone knows no one cares so let's go (laughs) (laughs) so um you know let's get to the gist of it right uh Manfred and Marizia von Richthofen they were a middle-aged couple who were murdered in their sleep so they were fucking like laying in bed Side by side when they were murdered in October 31st, 2002. Happy Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Oh, I should have saved it. What? For Halloween. Well, too bad. Let's go. Ah. 
So uh, <laughs> he was 49 years old and she was 50. Although the crime was treated in the beginning as a larceny, so a home invasion ended up in a murder, it was soon revealed that it was much sinister than that. The perpetrators would later be revealed as being the brothers Daniel and Christian Cravins, the black kids. <laughs> I've been looking <laughs> 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 Yeah. And teen- not not because they're a person of color, but because Cravings is blackheads in Portuguese, okay? I don't want to make that, that clear. Uh, and so the perpetrators were Daniel and Christian Cravings and the teenager Susan von Richthofen, the oldest daughter of the couple. The case continues to cause outrage in the country since 2002 as the Brazilian judicial system has been very much forgiving when it comes to Suzanne, a wealth, a wealthy white passing teen girl. I mean, she was white. She's German. Well, her mom's like half Lebanese, so is she white? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to throw labels out there. Like, she doesn't look like the... Stereotypical murder, yeah. She doesn't look like she's a person of color, but her mom is half Lebanese, so that's why I was like white passing. Cause you know, I don't. I as you'll see later on, the German people don't really consider them a part of like their culture. Mm. So that's why I think she's like white passing. The justice system has been very forgiving when it comes to her because she doesn't look like the stereotypical criminal and she's a teen girl, you know, whatever. Rich. Uh, yeah, versus the treatment of people of color and low social status that have been too far less um, bad crimes. Yeah. So, yeah, they have been loose with her. Yeah, pretty, like... It's ridiculous. It's an outrage. And, like, I'm not just saying this because she is who she is. I, I'm just saying... I'm just treating her as a murderer, which is what she is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, I'm going to give you some background on Manfred and Marizia. So Manfred Albert von Hichthofen was born on February 3rd, 1953 in Echbach. Echbach, maybe... My German is like, I haven't practiced German in like four years, guys. Good. Just, just forgive me. Uh, Germany. Erbachi. Just say it with the. Erbachi. Like, yeah. Erbachi. Yeah. But I feel like it's. Eh, Whatever. I don't care. Listen is in Germany. Listen. Another. I can only yes. say hi, Tell how us. are you in German. And I'm not going to say because my accent is awful. Okay. So he was a <laughs> member of a noble German family, die von Richthofen, who lost most of their possessions and much of the influence that they had through his father, mainly because of the fall. Uh, oh, I just said father, like very Brazilian. You know what? I've had, like, a huge-ass blue motherfucker. I don't care if I have an accent. Anyway, <laughs> I need a drink today. So, um, he they lost m- much of their influence and their possessions through their father, mainly because of the fall of the German Empire in 1918 and mm-hmm. because of the country's uh, participation in the World Wars, because, you know, Hitler and all. Um, he was a naturalized <laughs> Brazilian um, citizen, so... Mm-hmm. You know, for everyone that calls Brazilian Brazil a shithole country, a lot of people want to be naturalized Brazilians. I'm just saying. So yeah. it's a great place for some people. Yeah, not, like not Nazi most. criminals. Some. Anyway, so 
Although I couldn't find when or where exactly the couple met for the first time, all records indicate that they met uh, in the 70s. So Manfred met Marisa Abdallah in the 70s. Uh, she was the descendant of Portuguese and Lebanese immigrants living in Brazil. And they both attended mm -hmm. the University of Sao Paulo, which is like, I think it's the number one university in Brazil, right? It's like the it hardest... Is. Yeah, uh, she was going to med school and he was studying engineering. So although mm -hmm. like it says that like she was the daughter of like Lebanese and like um, Portuguese immigrants, you know Brazil, everybody's a mutt. There's not like in Brazil there. Well, there is some people are like, oh, I am half Italian and half Polish, but they mm -hmm. forget to say that they're like the poorest Italians and the poorest Polish ever. <laughs> so everybody's a mutt. Yeah. That's that's and what like, I'm trying to get at. Everybody's honestly, just Brazilian. Like, yeah, honestly, like there's just so much mixing that after like a generation or two, nobody remembers anymore. So it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, like you know that there's Italian up there, or whatever. And it's like everybody has really Italian matter. in Brazil. Like that's Italian, a fact. Spanish, and Portuguese. Yeah. That's like one thing that everybody has. It's not mm -hmm. like here where people are like, "I am one sixteenth Native American." Like, no one cares. There, there, everyone has black and Native American, but no one counts yeah. that, do they? they no, because yes. they don't. They only want to be European. So, <laughs> yep. They were always. Oh, cool. <laughs> They were always described as being very discreet and as having one of those families that you see in, like, butter commercials, you know, the perfect family, like, very discreet, very, like, classy and, like, very well-behaved children. That's what they were described as having. Didn't Manfred have, like, OCD or something? Because I saw him, like, being described as, like, really being, like, obsessed with... Um, cleanliness and order and stuff and I saw reports saying that the their house like didn't look like anyone lived in it looked like a film set yeah everything was like so placed like perfectly probably like I'm being very stereotypical but that sounds like a lot like German people to me that's what I picture yeah. German people to be so and he was really like German so maybe and also uh, Marisa was a psychiatrist yeah so she was a he very successful psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they would go on to have two children, Suzanne Louise von Richthofen, who was born in Sao Paulo, November 4th, 1983. That's my cousin's birthday, so that's a little creepy. And Andreas Albert von Richthofen, who was also born in Sao Paulo on April 26, 1987. So Suzanne was older than Andreas by uh, four years. It was wildly known among the among the press that Manfred was like the grand nephew of Manfred von Richthofen, like the same name. He was known as the Red Baron. He was a fighter pilot with the German Air Force during World War World War One, and he was considered um, the Ace of Aces, meaning that he shot down several enemy aircraft during aerial combat. So he was a badass pilot. And um, he was credited with 80 air combat victories, yeah. which is crazy. Despite all of this, the German, like, the German, like, in Germany, the German side of the von Richthofen family denied any relations to them. So see, Brazilians, let me tell you one thing. You can try to be European as much as you want to, but European people do not want us. Like... 
I can say that my last name is Italian all I want. Do you think people in Italy want to be related to me? I don't think so. Anyway, so we're mixed. Yeah. yeah, we're all mixed. You think it's because we're just because they're Brazilian, right? Yeah, like, because no, they live in Brazil they, and he has like kids yeah. with. Yeah, exactly. But even like Manfred wasn't mixed, like, but just because he's not German anymore, or whatever, it's like probably like, you traitor and. So no fucking website stated Marizia's date of birth or other biographical info about her, which I thought was very fucking rude because Manfred has a fucking wikipedia page dedicated to him with at least four paragraphs and this woman has nothing even though she went to freaking med school and he did it i'm just saying yeah guys you have no idea how hard it is to get into that specific med school people like because i mean you already said that in the podcast before but like it's not like here they just apply and they accept you or not you have to like take a huge test and it's only and, like, once only a year with the very 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 top scores will get into their med school people study for like 12 years to get into the exam and she did it she did it and she was great she was a really good psychiatrist but she has no wikipedia page which is ridiculous come on ridiculous i i'm guessing he just got a wikipedia page because he wasn't born in brazil and i'm just gonna be like that Probably. Yeah, but um, Epoca yeah. magazine says that she was 50, so I'm going to go with that. So Suzanne, uh, as you already mentioned, she was 19 at the time of the crimes and was described for by many as um, happy and shy. She had a good family life until she started practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 1999. When she was 16, she met Daniel Cravinho's de Pauli Silva, um, he was two years older than her. Uh, she studied in a German high school, meaning she was rich. And yeah, because every like school that is not like mainly Portuguese, in, uh, yeah, mainly, um, Portuguese speaking, it's really fucking expensive. Yeah, I, I lived. She lived next to one that was American. And damn, those kids were rich. But anyways, moving on. <laughs> you know what I wonder now? This is very, like, sidebar. But it says that she studied in a German high school. Do you know the blogger um, Lala Huji? No. She's a very famous Brazilian blogger. And, like, her family is, like, aristocrats and stuff. They're, like, very, very fucking I rich. I follow those things, stuff. Yeah. The, she's, like... <laughs> her family's, like, fucking, like, <laughs> bawling. And she went to a German high school, too. So I wonder if it was the same one, because she's also from Sao Paulo. I mean, how many German high schools are there in Sao Paulo? Yeah. I'm trying to think of which one of a German... Like, I never heard of one, like, a specific German one. There's the American, British ones, the... Like, there's a French one, Italian one. But German, I never heard of. I don't know. Upon graduating that high school, uh, she enrolled at PUC in Sao Paulo. That's not the same university as the mom, but anyways. Uh, and PUC is a Catholic university similar to the Catholic schools in Boston, like the Boston College. There are t- testimonies that uh, the family met Danielle at the Iberapuera Park. I thought they, both of them, like... That they met, like the couple met in the park. No, it was like the whole family met. The whole family. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. So they met uh, at the Birapuera Park. 
which is not the same park as the Park Maniac, but it is the park that he used to roller skate at. Coincidence? I think not. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was definitely there. Definitely, no doubt. Yeah, so uh, he was a model aircraft competitor. It says that Andreas, the little brother, was captivated by the hobby and inquired as to as he could take um, lessons that were taught by Daniel. Daniel and Andreas became close, and he would take the younger boy on bicycle rides and races. That's cool. Many state that it was Andreas that brought the, that brought the couple together. As a childhood friend of Suzanne says that she thought that Danielle was cute and sent him a note through Andreas. The parents didn't care much about the relationship as they thought it was a phase and testimonies also say It's just that, a phase, Mom. Just a phase. Yeah, like <laughs> dating this guy that, you know, might kill I'm you. I'm 16, he's not. 18. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how, how can a relationship be a phase, though? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, she's going through, you know, the liking... Air modelist murders phase, like it's, it's gonna be over. You know what? But that's like very Brazilian, cause my ex boyfriend, my my parents also thought it was just a phase, cause they were like, this kid is clearly not up <laughs> to the standards. So I don't know. Were they Maybe right? Maybe it's a Brazilian thing. Yeah, fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay. I was thinking about that. Dude, I, it's just so good to like watch. People like descend and be into being losers. Like the first guy I, mean, I ever liked. Sorry. It's funny because like this specific person, I blocked him everywhere, so mm. I can't really see if he's a loser. But he was a loser when we dated, so I can only imagine it got worse. The first guy I ever liked now is an anti-vaxer that believes in like essential oils and that like he's sharing articles about people that are exposing vaccines not working. Being murdered. That's so weird. I am so glad I didn't get with that. Like I'm like, oh I told my relief. first crush. Oh my god. My first crush died in a motorcycle accident. But then the guy I liked after him, he is like um like a horse riding instructor. It's so weird because like I've never heard this kid talking about horses before. And he teaches kids how to ride horses. I don't know, I think it's just strange. Uh, testimonies also state that Andreas was the couple's confidant. He listened to his sister's secrets, and he was involved in many aspects of her life with Daniel. Creepy. Cool, but also kind of weird, because he was, like, way younger than them, right? Yeah, he was, like, he was 15, she was, like, 16-ish, and Danielle was, like, 18, 19. He would commit petty crimes with the couple, such as smoking weed and going off to a motel, Hotels in Brazil are especially designed for couples to go have sex and, you know, they aren't always crappy, and, you know, roach, drug infested, like the motels are in the States. It's just because, you know, I think um, most people, they live with their parents until they're like 36. So you have to have a place to have sex on. Why would they take their little brother to the motel, though? So I was, I was uh, reading that this one time they put him like in the trunk. And they drove into the motel, and then he got they got him um, out of the trunk, and they started smoking weed. I thought it was a very like strange relationship. I'm I'm trying not to judge. Yeah, that is a really this strange poor relationship. kid, but like no, let's judge weird. Matt. Matt, I'll call you Matt. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I have boobs, so uh, I'm clearly I, not mad. No, I always, I always like mess up Stephanie's name because she, like, you, I'm sure knows this, but I had a friend that had like the exact same personality, and I always call her Michelle. I'm like Michelle, <laughs> no, it's not Michelle or Matt. It's Stephanie. Jesus yes, Christ, Carol, get your shit straight. I even forgot what I was gonna say, what I was gonna say. Yeah, it sounds like they brought him into the motel room while they were having like sex. Oh, I was gonna say we should judge them. Why? No, we should judge them, because but not they Andreas. The yeah, but not the kid, right? Because he has nothing to do with it. Yeah, not the kid. But you know, I still judge. They, they. I mean, they brought a brother to the motel. Like, who? What? Andreas treated Danielle as Christian, who was Danielle's older brother, and they were his own older brothers in a way. And it's clear that he was a very impressionable teenager. Yes. Which is what happens. I mean, I can I can imagine that, like, if you have a relationship with older kids like that, and they're treating you as their own exactly. animal smoking weed, whatever, like, of course they're going to be impressionable. Yeah, like, my, my sisters and I, we have, like, a really, really big age difference. Like, my middle sister is five years older than me, and my oldest sister is 11 years older than me. So it's, like, completely, like, different generations. So mm-hmm. whenever my sister, the five-year-older, um, let me hang out with her friends, I was like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm 10, and these kids are 15, and they want to hang out with me? That's crazy. Like, yeah. So as time went by, the relationship between Danielle and Suzanne became a little more serious, which uh, worried her parents. Not just a face. Yeah. Danielle built model airplanes for a living, one or two a week, making roughly uh, 1400 reais a month, which is about, uh, in today's exchange rate, is about $400 a month, which can seem like nothing, but like back then, it was quite a bit of money. Um, yeah, you can live. He also did like repairs on model airplanes and sold parts to those who were like into the same hobby. Uh, Suzanne began asking her father for extra money aside from her allowance, which she would give um, to Danielle, uh, as well as buy him many gifts and clothes. So he was a bum. He was not as well to do as them. And that's no, she was like rich. Criticism. Yeah, yeah. They they were rich, and that's why I think a lot of the time the parents didn't approve that much of the relationship because. It was a really a, a big difference in the class. Yeah, thing. and we've told you guys that like social classes, social class yeah. division is like a big thing in Brazil. Like, it sucks because it shouldn't matter that much to teenagers, but like, yeah, you know, sucks that it matters. So Christian, Danielle's brother, he was a cocaine addict, and he seems to always have a debt with um, drug dealers. So he was always mm-hmm. like a great informant to the police because he always owed drug dealers money so he would like become a police informant in order to get money to pay the drug dealers back Suzanne's parents thought of Danielle as a bad influence on her and when I say Danielle I know I sound like I'm saying Danielle but I'm saying Daniel like Danny like the guy like my nephew's name is Daniel Mm -hmm. and I call him Danielle sometimes and people (laughs) look at me like I'm crazy anyway (laughs) so um Danielle and Christian were born in 1981 and 1975, respectively. So Christian was about six six years older than his brother. So he was about, like, I don't know, 10 years older than um, Andreas. Mm -hmm. So 
friends of Suzanne state that both her and Danielle uh, changed completely once their relationship became more mm. serious, which means that, like, they were having sex. Mm. So there's, like, a big... Um, I'm not sure if it's the same in, like, Brazil. I mean, American culture as in Brazilian culture, or if it's the same as in Brazilian culture right mm. now. But this is just the way I was raised, so I... Um, totally open to like different opinions from you carol <laughs> oh, yeah. but like losing your virginity is a big fucking thing that's like that's like the most precious thing that you have mm -hmm. is your virginity yeah. like having sex with a guy even if you're not a virgin is like such a big deal mm -hmm. like the last thing you should do is have sex with a guy it's like if you want a guy to think you're worth it you're gonna mm -hmm. play hard to get yeah, it's so. not that they don't like. They say you shouldn't be having sex. Sometimes here, uh, that's a difference. I think it's not like you know you should not be having sex until marriage. Like that does happen a little bit in Brazil, but not as much as here. I think it's like you should wait and wait yeah. and wait and wait until you are mature. There, no, it's more like you should um, wait, like in your personal relationships, wait until you're ready. Yeah. But also, like, trying to delay it as much as possible in a yeah, relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's basically, like, everything you have, and you have to withhold it a little bit. Which, yeah, sometimes, some it's cases, ridiculous. it's a good idea. But most cases, why? You know what I mean? I remember when I moved here, um, a lot of people... I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone. This is just what Brazilian people tell me, is that... Um, American girls were very slutty. And they and they say Brazilian girls are slutty. Yeah. I never really understood it, but they were like, well, if you go out with an American girl, you can have sex with her on the first date. But with a Brazilian girl, she'll probably play hard to get. Which I think is ridiculous. Like, to each their own, if you feel comfortable having sex with a guy mm -hmm. on the first date, just fucking do it. Definitely. If you don't, then don't do it. Like, then don't do it, yeah. That's not going to change anything about your character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it literally says nothing about the person you are and the intentions you have. It just says that you need you want to have sex. It's human and it's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was raised, I was raised to think that, like, having sex is, like, mm -hmm. the worst thing you could do in a way. And, um, like, you should wait. But it's also a coin or something you can, like, do to preserve exactly. something or to... Please, someone, even if you don't want it, and that sucks. It's like, yes, it's like you're using it as exchange. Yeah, which is as a it has a ridiculous. value, like a money value to it almost. And yeah, and sick. I feel like I personally am not very comfortable in my own sexuality because of the way I was raised. I was always raised to like think like, oh, like sex. Oh my God, you're gonna have sex with some guy. Like you have to wait until you're like 18 or 21 or until you're married mm -hmm. because like you can just have sex with some guys. And I know like people in my family that like they were in relationships as teenagers and they would encourage their uh special like significant other meaning the guy they would encourage the guy to have sex with other girls in order to preserve their own no. virginity i know like at least three people in my family that did that so they'd be like okay you want to have sex go have sex with i don't know Susie on main street but you're not gonna have sex with me because i'm saving myself what you guys <laughs> right now? Carol's not amused. I'm very much not amused. This sucks. 
It's like, yeah, me, the perfect virgin. Now, don't don't screw with me. Exactly. Go screw with those other girls that are ready, you know. With all the sluts. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to explain a little bit of that. When people say that they became serious, they just meant that they started having sex. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, like, if I just said they started having sex, people would be like, okay, what's the big mm -hmm. deal? But I wanted to explain, like, the cultural mm -hmm. meaning, like, the significance of having sex mm -hmm. in Brazil. Which is, like, it was at least up until 10 years ago when I moved here. It was, like, this mm -hmm. way. I don't know if it changed. I think it probably people still is. People have become liberated. It probably still is, but people <laughs> are, like, a little more open to casual sex, I think, right now. Me, the most experienced person. Yeah. Like, I mean. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, as I mean, what I um, observe from, like, the people that I see, they're still in Brazil. And, like, it's... It's, it's a little like people are either like everyone's having sex but some people are in relationships some people are not i can see that you know so she lost her virginity to danielle when she was 16 and at the same time she started smoking weed which is another big 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 taboo in brazil like a big fucking deal yeah smoking weed makes you like the lowest of the low in brazil um mm -hmm. i was in a relationship with someone that smoked a lot of weed and the biggest criticism from my family about this person was the weed which is like ridiculous because mm -hmm. he had like plenty of flaws like the weed was like the least anyway so it's a big fucking deal like in brazil they would much rather have you be an alcoholic addicted to smoking mm -hmm. cigarettes than touching weed so mm -hmm. there's that so um she's also started doing ecstasy with him which is <laughs> if weed is bad you can only imagine what ecstasy is the last time she ever went on a trip without him was to a beach house of one of her best friends in porto seguro which is a city in bahia which is like the northeast like sea coast mm -hmm. side of brazil um for new year's eve in 2000 After that, they were, like, inseparable. She even skipped her own high school graduation party to stay with him. Oh, no. Which, no. like, made her parents flip out. <laughs> She started law school following yeah, that. Yeah, I don't approve that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, she started law school. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm pre-law. And in Brazil, you don't go pre-law. Then law school, you just go to law school, which is much easier. I think in every other country is that way. Maybe Canada is, like, here. But, like, Europe, I think you just go to law school. Anyway, fuck America. No, not fuck America, but, like, the education system <laughs> no, 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 is no. ridiculous. So she started law school following her graduation. And they were so close that he was even present on, like, her school field trips and, like, school activities. What? So he would go to, like a field trip, uh, or if she had to like, do a presentation or something, he'd be, like, right there, you know? Which is a little creepy. That's very creepy. That sounds like very a very controlling person that does not let her do her own thing without him being there to fiscalize it and seeing if someone's... Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want to... I don't want to blame just him, because she sounds like she was a fucking cunt. Yeah. So... You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I am myself in a relationship but that we do every single thing together. But, you know, he doesn't go, like, to my college classes with me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, that's... Yes. Witnesses state that he would even go to mock trials 
with her. Go fuck yourself. So, Jesus you know, Christ. in law school, you have mock trials, and he would go <laughs> with her. Like, you're not what? even in law school. What the fuck are you doing here? What? What? <laughs> and Beatriz Chagas, who was a classmate of hers, of Suzani's, stated that it was almost as if they lived for one another. She would only go out, hang out, or travel with him. That's cute, but it's not healthy. very... I don't think it's cute at all. I'm one of those people that, like, if I'm in a relationship, I want to be with you for, like, two days, and then the rest <laughs> of the week, I don't want to fucking see your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah. really, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I like to have you for a very short period of time. But then I don't but fucking want to see you. Time. Yeah. Exactly. So her friends also stated that he changed. Not not her friends. His friends also stated that he changed, and he missed many like practice sessions of his little playing things because he went to her school to pick her up. Mm-hmm. So. Oh man, that's not good for him either. I guess, like, because yeah. I mean, the moment guys, relationship advice, all right? The moment you're missing out on your own things and your own life and things you like to do something with someone else, you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing if it happens once or twice, you're helping them out, okay? Yeah. But like, if it keeps happening and you keep like losing your identity or being too dependent on a person, like that, just doesn't work. Yeah, like you, know I mean? you like, have you to need be your, you. You need your own things. You have to be you. Like, it's okay to be a couple, but you need you time, you know? You need Carol time. You need Stephanie time. Like, chill out. Like, it sounds like they're going, like, head first in a relationship that is obviously problematic, that her family doesn't like him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they like each other, and that's great. But, like, that, I don't know. Just red flags are, like, popping up everywhere. You know, Especially because they were so young. He was only like 20 yeah. or 19 and she was 18. So, Yeah, I get picking her up because it's like, oh, I don't want you to take the bus or whatever. But she's rich. She, could take a, she know, has a car. I don't, I'm not going to say taxi, but like. No, she had a car. I mean? Oh, she had a car. She can fucking yeah. drive. Yeah. <gasps> she had a fucking car. Jeez. She was like 18 and she had a car in 2000. In 2000, my dad had like the oldest fucking car ever. And my dad was, like, well in his 30s, so goodbye. Daniel had... Daniel. Daniel had several pictures of the couple in his bedroom at the parents' house. It's uh, cute. He, he lived but, with his I mean, mama. He also had a pillow with Susanna's picture next to all the stuffed animals on his bed. <laughs> That's weird. Remember what I said about the, ha- the red flags popping everywhere? Especially, like, with the Brazilian macho man culture, a guy having stuffed pillows. I'm not stuffed judging. Animals. But, like, I, I, Stephanie, I'm not judging, but, like, with our culture, this is weird. Since the beginning of their serious sexual relationship, uh, they would spend afternoons at the Disco Virgin Motel. <gasps> Fuck, the Disco Virgin Motel! I know what that is. That was, like, really fucking close to my house. So, Carol used to go there with her boyfriends. Oh, my God. You know, a wave of nostalgia, like, just hit me. Not that I've never been there, but, like... Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. It's my city, guys. I feel represented. (laughs) (laughs) Just go virgin. Oh, my God. You know, like, those things you don't think about for, like, years and years and years, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm happy. 
Let's kill it just to go to the mo- my local motel. That's great. <laughs> this should be on a T-shirt. I'm happy. Those killers just should be. My, you should go to my you local sh- I motel. Make, I should make a Discovery Motel T-shirt because <laughs> they, like they have a neon sign, a little alien. Oh, I always God. liked looking at it as a kid. I didn't oh, know God. what it was. I just looked at it like, oh, look at that alien. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually really cute. I should totally make a T-shirt out of it. <laughs> ah. Definitely. So they would go to them, my favorite motel on earth. I want to be, I want to go there and like see what, how Take your husband there. there. I bet he's going to love huh? it. Take your husband there. I bet he's it's alien themed. It. Like a Barbarella kind of thing. Ooh. Yeah. So they used to uh, spend afternoons at the Disco Virgin Motel where they rode a cab to and from. In the end of 2001, however, Suzanne's parents started talking to convince her to break up their relationship since they had found out Danielle was involved with drugs and thought Suzanne had lost her motivation to study. Sus- Who has motivation to study, anyways? Like, you just do it, yeah. <laughs> Suzanne started sneaking out to stay with Danielle. She would tell her parents that she would stay over at friends' houses, studying, and her friends covered up for her. Real friends. In April 2002, her plans backfired after Marizia called Suzanne's best friend and found out she wasn't at the girl's house. The following morning, Marizia confronted Suzanne, and she admitted, she admitted that she had spent the night in the motel. Suzanne the parents uh, permanently forbid her from dating Danielle. How old was she? Then she, she was, was um, like 18, like 17, 18. Yeah. So um, on Mother's Day 2002, the family was set to have lunch at uh, a restaurant in Sao Hockey. You probably know where that is. I don't know where that is. But uh, Suzanne refused to go. Um, and for the first time in her life, at age 18, she got beaten by her father. After she yelled at him, who in turn slapped her. So he bitch slapped her because she yelled at him. (laughs) So she left the house. I own own my own body. It's my own life. You have nothing to do with it. I hate you. I hate you. Why do you like this? (laughs) It's funny because my mom tells me that I used to say, I hate you when I was like two all the time. Oh my god. (laughs) I used to be like, I hate you and my mom didn't let me do whatever I wanted to my mom was like I don't care like goodbye yeah so uh, she left the house stating that she would never come back ooh this rich girl that never worked once in her life is never coming back with the Just car kidding. that she <laughs> that her parents got her parents car. she did return to the house and promised her parents that she had broken up with Danielle throwing away the promise ring that she had gotten from you. So, yeah, in Brazil, once you start dating someone, they give you, like, a little promise ring. It's, like, mm. a rule of dating. Like, if you're serious, you get a ring. Yeah, in Brazil, it's a little different. The culture of, like, dating and stuff. Like, it's... Like, you start dating someone, but it's not like here that you go on dates, whatever. Like, you go to, like, a party, whatever, and then, like, you just, like kiss a person like has a person friend, yeah. right? and it's like no no compromise it's no like no strings no attached nothing. Yeah. you know what I mean yeah it's not like the thing like you start going on more and more dates and then you're dating you know what I mean like it's not that like there's actually like you have a talk right so okay come in and then yeah and like okay let's dating. meet my parents yeah so 
Yeah, you have you like make the decision to make that a official relationship. Because if you don't, then you know the person is doing it with everyone else. Yeah. I mean, so even though she threw away the little promise ring, she was still sneaking out to see him. Um, Susanna's behavior changed a lot once she was forbidden from seeing Danielle. She was once very close to her mom. They used to like spend afternoons talking, you know, they were like best friends. Mm-hmm. But now she fought with her family mm-hmm. every time she came home with Danielle, which was like mm-hmm. every day. Even though she knew she couldn't bring him in, she would bring him in every day. So she stated that in July of that same year, her parents went away for a whole month, and that month was like a dream come true. Once her parents were back from their trip, listen to this, she suggested that they buy her an apartment or a flat in which she could live with Danielle. Of course. Uh, like, your parents fucking hate your boyfriend, and they're going to finance your house with him. Like, that's going to happen. For sure, why not? Like, you can clearly see that, like, she was an idiot teenager by statements like these. Like, I mean, she's entitled to win, get things, right? She's entitled to a car, an apartment. She's entitled to She's not entitled to shit. She didn't work for shit. She's entitled to things once her fucking parents die but like while they're alive it's their money not hers she didn't work for it so that was great foreshadowing you did there oh yeah i know thank (laughs) you i didn't even mean to do it okay so manfred her dad obviously he's not an idiot so he refused to do so he stated that she had to graduate law school and get a job and after Mm -hmm. that she could live with whoever she wanted to and, like, do whatever the hell she wanted to do with her life. So this got her wheels turning, and thus she started planning their murder. I will not scream into this microphone right now, but I want to. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> what? What? Like, uh? oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, he didn't say, like, yeah, like, you'll never allow you to date this person. Like, he said, like, yeah, you graduate, get a job, you do whatever you want. Like, you know, get out of my roof, I don't care. Yeah, he was yeah, a great exactly. dad, you like, know what I mean? Like, that's, that, that's, that's, like. Yeah, that's, like, also very, like, that's very, like, Brazilian, too. Like, the whole sentiment of, like, you're living under my roof, you're going to follow my rules. I feel like kids here, like. Not just kids, but, like, children here. Not children, like, little kids, but, like, sons and daughters. They, like, disrespect their parents a lot. Like, some of the stuff that I see people say about their parents, if I said it to my mom, she would break my front teeth so fast. She would, like, sucker punch me. But also, kids are a little more independent than they are in Brazil. The independence in Brazil, it takes a while to come. So, I think that's why... The yeah, because like you know what I mean. Here, here you can start working yeah. at like fourteen. I had my first job like three months after I moved here when I was fifteen. So, and that's something that's yeah, like Brazil, unheard you get of your first in Brazil. Job when you're about to in Brazil, like and you get an internship, like that's your first job. Exactly, and like even then, you don't no. pay your bills. You use that money to go out and like get beer. Yeah. <laughs> like your parents have to like. Uh, yeah. Support you until you get married. I mean, there are so. people that work. It's, it, it, it is not unheard of, but it's 
you know, most people that are, like, in that situation, like, going to college and, you know, high school, most people, they will not work. Only if you, like, if you need to help support yeah, your family, no. like, of course they will. But they they work for the, the family, not work yeah. to support themselves at their independence. That does not Yeah, happen, exactly. You know? so. mm-hmm. I like those, like, cultural differences and stuff. And, like, yeah. Yeah. But it makes you feel so awkward, like... I know that my stepdad, my stepdad is American, guys. So I know that, like, he thinks it's so weird that my mom still helps me out. He's like, oh, you're, like, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I'm past 21. But um, you're, like, past 21, and your mom's, yeah, I'm 47. (laughs) And your mom's still doing things for you. Meanwhile, his kids went to college when they were 18, and they never came back. But it's just, like, a cultural thing, you know? It's good that we're, like, in know. between because we can choose. I feel like it makes us more... I feel like it also makes us more attached yeah. to our parents than, um, yeah, than American people are. Because I've worked in a nursing home. And let me tell you, a lot of old people are, like, straight-up abandoned the by their way. family, which is really sad. Like, I can never picture putting my mom in, like, a nursing home. Yeah. Like, my mom can annoy the fuck out of me, but I would never do I that to her. for some people it's a good like, choice, but, like, not abandon them there. You know, visit them. And, you know, take care of them, but yeah. not, like... No, we had this... We had this client that she used to get ready, like, it was so sad. Mm-hmm. Every afternoon, she would, like, take a shower and get ready and sit by the lobby and be like, oh, my family's coming to visit me. And she would just sit there for, like, four hours, and no one would ever come and see her. Yeah. Can I be her family? Like, we'll go on a visit. No, that's <laughs> yeah, I know. I was so like, ah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know. So, in the beginning of September 2002... The 12th Military Police Battalion, and we explained the whole battalion number thing, and we still don't understand it. Uh, they were called over a yeah. domestic dispute in the Campobello neighborhood. They arrived there at 2 a.m. where they found Mumfitted by the gates of the house, wearing shorts, shirts, and flip-flops. Outrageous. And he was very... <laughs> <laughs> aggravated and on a screen match with Danielle and Suzanne. Well, Suzanne was trying to calm both of them down, but the two men were threatening each other. Okay, I got that. Uh, Mumford told one of the police officers that one of these days he'll beat the boy up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I sympathize with him so much. <laughs> like, yeah, and Danielle, <laughs> who wasn't keeping his cool like the other man, said that Mumford was threatening to beat Suzanne if they continued dating and that he liked to show up the <laughs> show them old man who's boxed. Oh, in, in his yep. house, like... Yeah, like, yeah, come me, and disrespect the, me at my house, kid. You know, person... Not judging people that use drugs, but he didn't have that much going on for him. Like, the air model is plain... I, I, I yeah. am the boss. Mm-hmm. The boss myself, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm the boss of being a loser and fucking minors. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck... He was the. It was the third time the police was called over fights between the two men. Anonymous nine one one calls in May and June of the same year asked police to stop the fights between both men. The motive was always the same. Suzanne got home really late and tried to walk into the house with Danielle and Manfred would stop them, thus starting a fight. All right. If you keep having the same like, problem they over never and over and over again, maybe don't try to do the same things over and again because you're going to have the same results, Suzanne. You're going to have the same results. I'm oh, sorry. 
I feel like she felt so entitled. Like, this is my house. Like, I can do whatever I want. It's not fucking my house. house. My property. Okay. It's actually not. It's, no. I'm, I'm like sipping coke. So. You're going to hmm. delete all the gulping sounds out, please. Because I know that annoys like, <laughs> yes. a lot of people. Like, I don't want <laughs> So, at the time of their death, Manfred von Richthofen made a total of 11,000 reais monthly, which in 2002, that was that, a yeah, lot of have a good money. 11,000 reais is like, I don't know, three over $3,000 a month. Yeah, but think of it as $11,000, you know? Yeah, it was a, a ton of money. And he had other possessions uh, that he inherited from his family. He worked at Dursa, mm -hmm. which was a highway development company since 1998 and he was the engineering director of the company since uh june 2002 marizia had her own private psychiatric practice and earned around twenty thousand reais in patient consultations so that's probably monthly so you go girl you slay um uh, manfred's fortune was that of around 11 million reais in today's money so, Manfred has suggested that Danielle go back to school, like, learn English, learn a skill, and do something that would make him be at the same level as his daughter. Like, she's a crown jewel. Let me tell you, this girl is a crown you better earn jewel. It. I mean, I, I yeah, really sure. appreciate that he's, like, it's suggesting, like, improvements and stuff. He's not saying, like, I'm never going to support you dating my daughter. He's just saying, like, you need to be better because this is, you know... Yeah, but maybe his daughter needs to be better. There's a fucking oh, no, con. Oh, for sure. Anyway. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I like Mumford. <laughs> like, like, my dad is like Me that, too. too. My dad's all like, ooh, my daughter, this and that. I'm like, dad, like, you need to wake up. I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> the young man had no real job. He was a of a much lower uh, social status mm -hmm. than her who was rich, she had a car, she was studying law at one of the best schools in Sao Paulo, she had a black belt in karate, and she was fluent in English, German, and Spanish. In Portuguese. So, uh, Manfred... <laughs> they well, should yeah. be all in German. <laughs> Manfred... <laughs> mm. Manfred had even thought about sending her to Europe. To, like, study there so she could be away from Danielle. Was it so she could be away from him or just to study, you know? Because, I mean... No, I think it was both. both. I think it was both. Yeah, because, like, I don't think he would have had a problem with her being, like, schooled in Brazil mm -hmm. had she not met him. Yeah. But I think her meeting him was mm -hmm. the biggest issue. But also, if he was, like, a hard-working person and everything, like... I think... He would have. He doesn't sound like he was a hardworking person. No, for sure. Like he wasn't. Danielle, right? Yeah. If he wasn't he a hardworking like person, was a probably he would. Like the relationship wouldn't have been of a problem. Like the difference in social stature, status. You know? Yeah, it's like if he I was. think like. I think if he was a hardworking person that didn't do drugs, probably. then it would have been different. Probably. But the whole, like, I don't even think, like, being, him being a bum was the biggest issue. I think the drugs were the biggest yeah. issue. Probably. And one thing that, like, I, I don't see it that often, but 
maybe he is like giving um Danielle a hard time because he knows Suzanne is not really like you know she is studying and whatever and she's like not even 20 yet but Muffin probably knows that she won't like mount up to a lot that she will like she's entitled and she you know she already has everything that she could possibly want like she'll never have to really so work maybe hard. he wants her to have like a, a trophy husband right to like Maybe, but someone, yeah, someone that can, like, lift her up and, like, show her what working is, you know, because she never had that experience, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it that they're probably not the best couple, so. Probably not. I mean, definitely not the best couple. Like, if you end up murdering your parents, I'm sorry, but there's no argument for <laughs> you guys being together. Uh, on the day of the murders, Suzanne and the brothers, the, bro- the Cravinho's brothers, not... Um, her own brother. Alright. They tested a gun they had access to in order to reduce uh, noise levels. They gave up using a gun once they found out that gunshots were pretty loud. What a surprise. Yeah. What a surprise. No I shit, wouldn't have Sherlock. Thought. No, I wouldn't have guessed. On October 30th, 2002, they reviewed once again the murder plan. Danielle and Suzanne talked to Christian, who lived with his grandmother and was a bit unsure as to whether he wanted to take part of the crime or not, but he ended up doing it, so. Danielle said his brother could think uh, about it, and if it was, you know, his decision to help them out, he could meet them there on a street near a cyber cafe that would be taken on just to. Do you? Like, that never made a lot of sense to me. Why would they be taking just to the cyber cafe? They probably had computers So he could be out of the house. Yeah, I know, but, but like, like in you your how, like in your head, you know what I mean? Like why? But I feel like it's also like the beginning of the two thousands. I know that the internet was like big here, but not as much mm-hmm. in Brazil because you know, third world countries and all. So I feel like he would have felt more like um, like he was being part of a team if he was using a computer at a cyber cafe because mm-hmm. there were more people there. Oh. You know what I mean? Because Andrea sounds like he's a weirdo in a way mm-hmm. so I don't feel like he had a lot of friends yeah but I mean I, I just so maybe that was his way of socializing like, yeah, we're gonna take you to the cyber cafe and then you know we're gonna pick you up later like bye see ya you know like if he was used to doing things yeah. with them it's like well why are you trying to do that you're not trying to do with me you know but you're gonna keep going <laughs> So, yeah, they took Andreas to the Cyber Cafe under the, pre- the pretense that he would be celebrating their university with, their anniversary, um, with them. He, 15, would go to the Cyber Cafe, and they would go to a motel. Zenny also said that uh, she would convince their parents to let him skip school the next day. Sure. Danielle had picked up Andreas around 10.30 p.m., and the teenager snuck out, allegedly, on the scooter Danielle had built him. That's cool. Your own yeah, scooter. Danielle seemed like he was pretty, like, big brotherish towards yeah. his kids, so. Yeah. It's a shame, you know, that they didn't kill I mean, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Christian arrived at the Sabah Cafe at around 10.12 p.m. and left at 10.50 so that Andreas wouldn't see him. Around 11.20, Suzanne and Danielle met with him and they went to the, they went on her Volkswagen Goal to the mansion. Which is not, it's not a Porsche, you know, it's not a Ferrari, but it's her own car, right? She didn't pay for it. It's her own car in 2002. Yeah, her goal, goals are right. 
Do, they have, do we have an American yeah. equivalent to that one? We, it's a Volkswagen GT, GT, I think. Yeah. Well, GT is like a Golf. But anyway, it's like a poor man's version of a GT, I think. Yeah. Days before the crime, she had shut off the alarm and the surveillance systems in the house so that there wouldn't be any proof that they were there. Because it would be really weird mm. you know, for her to be on her own house. But anyways. <laughs> they parked the car on the garage and holy shit <laughs> that's my dog <laughs> ghost opening the door anyways she parked the garage at um she parked the car in the garage at around midnight according to police records they already had an iron bars in the vehicle to be used during the murders the men put on long sleeve shirts and stockings so the hair n- wouldn't fall on the ground on the crime scene. And, you know, they couldn't be, like, traced that they were in the crime scene. So then they opened the gate and lit up the hallway so that they could see that the bedroom uh, in which the parents were asleep. So she could check, I guess, that oh. uh, everything was good. She also set aside trash bags and gloves that were used by her own mother in her psych practice. Were the bags wow. used in the fact, or just gloves? Cause, just the gloves. Yeah, I had the impression yeah. that like the it was like a like a supermarket like like surgical, trash, yeah. yeah. Like thank you, thank you, thank you, kind and of thing. surgical gloves, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, God, this is the worst part. <laughs> Danielle was supposed to kill Manfred, and Christian uh, was supposed to kill uh, Marizia. Mm-hmm. They started budge- bludgeoning the couple. And Manfred died instantly, lucky him. But Marizia woke up in the middle of the attack and she tried to fend for herself, which resulted in uh, three of her fingers being fractured. Mm. Uh, Christian would uh, later on tell police that he hit the woman five times with the iron bar and had to muffle her screams and pleadings with the towel Mm -hmm. since she was begging the robbers not to do anything to her children, who she thought were asleep. As she lay dying, she started, like, emitting sounds described by Christian as loud snores. So she was probably choking on her own blood, I would guess. I saw a person saying that because the muscles get kind of relaxed and the breathing kind of makes a, a different sound that people don't expect. That like like she was like it already like in a scary. coma and she was like making sounds that yeah. wasn't expected. So after she started making those sounds, he shoved a towel down her throat, and he did it like so hard that he broke the bones in her neck, in an effort to silence her. After they made sure the couple was dead, Danielle placed the gun that belonged to Manfred next to the man's arm and covered his face with the towel. Marizia was wrapped in a plastic trash bag left by Suzani on the stairs so that the brothers could mm. put the iron bars in there as well as, like, any bloody clothes that they had. Mm. Suzani stated that they had arrived at home um, and then she had walked into the parents' bedroom and made sure they were asleep. She then went downstairs, turned on the lights, mm. and gave the man, like, the go signal. Uh, she sat on the couch and covered her ears. She didn't want her parents to die, but she realized that she couldn't do anything about it 
as it was too late. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe, believe that, that either. For a second. It's like, yeah, I don't want parents to die, but I did kind of order a hit on them, so that's, I mean, too late already. Yeah, like, I opened the door to the murderers, yeah, but I didn't no, want them no, to die. No, no. I did, no. That's bullshit. Just, no. There's no concrete statement as to whether she took part in the crimes or saw the bodies even. It's a common consensus that she stayed downstairs at it was all going on. She used the time to steal money and put it in a lock-protected briefcase, which uh, she opened. She knew the combination to open it, but then Danielle had broken into uh, with a knife in order to fake a robbery. There were 8,000 highs, 6,000 euros, and $5,000 in there that they stole. And they also opened the house safe where there was jewelry and a gun. The safe was in the bedroom. It was like under like shoes, like a fake. You know, like mm-hmm. the the point is like there's no way a robber would just go like directly to it and like find yeah. it. Yeah. It's clear like they they tried to stage a robbery. Had but to they know did where it was. Shitty job. It was like uh, so bad. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the perpetrators threw jewelry around the bathroom floor. Yeah, just like robbers do. The iron bars were yeah. washed in the pool and everything used on the crime itself was put on trash bags before they changed clothes. The money and jewelry used were used as payment to Christian for his involvement in the crime. Afterwards, uh, he was left near the apartment he shared with his grandma and a couple stayed... stayed um, the couple started forging the alibi. They went to the Colonial Motel on the Hikaru Jaffer Avenue, stayed in the presidential suite where they paid around 300 reais, and ordered a Coke and a ham sandwich. <laughs> like many patrons, Daniel asked for the receipt, which would be the first one immediate by the motel that night. Because nobody goes to the motel and want proof that they were there. And ask for a receipt. Ugh. Yeah, like, they stayed what an idiot. There. They stayed there from one thirty six a.m. to 2.56, according to the police. Oh, yeah, so, I'm sorry. The ham sandwich, doesn't that sound like an episode of El Chavo? <gasps> uh, yeah, I, I thought <gasps> oh, exactly God. that. Dude, my dream. <laughs> my dream. I, want, I actually, I made the ham sandwich that he makes because there was a website that taught you all, like, the recipes from uh-huh. El Chavo. So I made, it's basically just ham and mayonnaise. <laughs> really? But, like, so my, I was my so excited guess was about right. it. I used to be like, I wonder if it's just ham and mayonnaise, and I would just make it. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. It's pretty make much Make fun that. of me all you want, you guys, but I eat mayo, like, every day. Me every too. day. I, I love, love mayo. mayo. Like, it's the best. People look at me, they judge my me mom. when I dip my ma- my fries exactly. in the mayo. And I'm like, it's my fucking fries. I paid for them sometimes. <laughs> Leave me alone with my mayo. My mom makes homemade mayo, oh, and it's green, great. The green one? <gasps> you yeah, need to ship aunt... it to me. No, actually don't. It's going to, like, fuck me up if you do. <laughs> but dude, green You need to visit me so you can yeah. eat it. You better, you better have some green mayo when I go there. Okay. I wouldn't like it. You just come and you'll see. Yep. My aunt makes homemade ketchup and it's pretty good. Really? I have no, mm-hmm. I have like no clue how would you make homemade ketchup. It's like tomatoes, tomato sauce, garlic, something, something. Vinegar? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> 
So, following their stunt at the motel, they went to the cyber cafe to pick up Andreas. They went over Danielle's house where they told Andreas he could ride one of um, Danielle's scooters slash mopeds. Um, they started phase two of their plan afterwards. Around 4 a.m., the siblings, Susani and Andreas, returned home, where Susani said she thought it was weird that the doors were open. <laughs> How strange. I wonder why. Oh, brother. Okay. Uh, Andreas walked in to the library, hollering at his parents, while Susani, who was praying... <laughs> she was praying. Yeah. Um... She got a knife from the kitchen and gave it to her little brother, <laughs> telling him to wait outside the home. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. If anyone comes by, stab them. <laughs> exactly. 15-year-old child. Oh just stab whoever comes out of this house. So she called Danielle and later, with her brother, called the landline in the house, expecting her parents to answer the phone. So at 4.09 a.m., Danielle contacted police. He said that he was in front of his girlfriend's house and that he was under the suspicion that there had been, like, a robbery at the house Mm -hmm. and requested that a squad car come by to just check on the house. The first officer on the scene was Alexandre Paulino Boto. During the trial of the three defendants... He said that the murder was the work of amateurs (laughs) due to the fact that they had left jewelry, cell phones, and guns inside the couple's bedroom. So I guess, like, one of his statements was like, oh, if it was really a robbery, like, they would never leave that behind. Like, what robber does that? Yeah, and they went right on where the money was, right on where the jewelry was. Like, you'd see every fucking nook and cranny, every drawer in the house would be open. You know what I mean? It'll take so, everything. Suzani also asked Boto, the police officer, which procedures police would follow, which struck him as, like, very strange. Yeah, struck she him was like, in the wrong what do way. we do now? Like, what's happening now? Now they've... Exactly. What? Like, bitch, what? He thought she wasn't being very emotional about the loss of her <laughs> parents, which is, like, true, I but... I mean, everyone reacts so differently, when she... but, like, what do I do now? It's not a proper reaction. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, what are you guys going to examine? I'm going to do the detailed forensics of what what you're going to do. Like, what's going to happen? Can (laughs) you walk me through the scene? Let me pull out my, yeah, pull out my checklist to make sure you guys are working (laughs) Make sure I'm telling you there's anything suspicious so so I can create an alibi. Okay, thank you. When she asked uh, how her parents were, uh, Boto, the police officer, was like, oh, they're they're doing well, you know? And she said, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) like did i not kill them did it fail i just bludgeoned both of them to death and they're doing well Mm -hmm. so he also thought it was weird that danielle asked whether anything had been taken from the house um the young man danielle also said that the family saved all their money in a little box stating exactly how much money was in this box. That's a great way not How to would look you know? suspicious. Great way. Exactly. Great job, Danielle. Listen, I know they keep 200 bucks in this box, and it's like a $100 bill. 
two fives, <laughs> two tens. <laughs> like, I know that's because I was really tight that? with Manfred. He knows. He tells me everything. Exactly. So a police officer remained with the Hishtofen siblings where Botru and another officer walked into the crime scene thinking that the alleged robber was still there. Scary, but not really. On the first floor, mm-hmm. the library was upside down where the living room and the kitchen were fairly organized. Remember that the house was like a model home and everything looked staged, everything was like in perfect order, so like any thing they moved would stand out. So that's, I mm-hmm. think, how they know a lot of it. Uh, they went upstairs and saw that the female's bedroom was also a mess and the stuffed animals were on the floor. The next room was a male's room, and there was a model airplane hanging from the ceiling, and everything down to the three pillows covered by a sheet on the bed was organized. The next room was clearly a couple's room, and a man was dead on the bed next to a gun, possibly of suicide, was thrown out of the window where Bodo found a female body under the sheets. Scared of the reaction from the siblings, they called on crime scene investigators and paramedics. It was around 4.40 and Daniel's family was on the scene hugging the Hishtofen's siblings and Boto asked that Daniel tell the siblings that their parents had been murdered. Daniel approached them and whispered to them after which Andreas walked away from the group who apparently wasn't really like a little shock. Susania approached Boto and asked what do we do now? <laughs> Around 5 a.m., uh, the sound of the sirens can be heard. Danielle's father... Us. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so sorry. Astrogild. Mm. Oh my god, is this a real person? I've actually met a person named Astrogild. Is it weird that I love that name now? <laughs> Astrogild. <laughs> She got a dog and named it Astrogildo. <laughs> Astrogildo Cravinhos. I'm sure that he's a great person. Like, he cannot be a bad person yeah, with this name. Yeah, he was a really... Was in... No, he was really nice. Yeah. He was in charge of talking to the press while Susani and Andreas were at the police station. While they waited for their turn to be interrogated, Susani napped with her head on Danielle's shoulder. Aw. Andreas appeared to be in shock, sitting down, crouching on his own... Like self, while his sister showed a lot of PDA towards Danielle. That reminds me of like the Amanda Knox case. Like PDA sometimes oh, yeah. doesn't mean a lot of things, but she's sleeping. Yeah, she napped, she napped. and then she started showing PDA. Whew. I don't know. Yeah, no thanks. While they're doing the police report, the couple kissed each other, and Susan told the sheriffs. Enjoyed us. The, the sheriff's name, okay. Enjoyed us, hello, Jaraujo. You can make this. Enjoy us. Enjoy us. Enjoy us. Enjoy us. I don't know. Enjoy us. Hello, Jaraujo. That she, uh, so she told that person that she would like them to kill and torture whoever killed her parents. After which, she smiled towards Danielle. Oh, wow. Am I doing okay? Am I doing right? Am, am, I, am exactly. I convincing enough? Wink, wink. Like, what? <laughs> so, it didn't take 
<laughs> it didn't take very long because police are not stupid. They might not want to do their jobs, but they're not dumb. Um, for them to realize that there was something shady about this whole robbery followed by murder story. After Christian decided to buy a new motorcycle, raising suspicions from the police, the cops arrested him temporarily while they interrogated Danielle. And he, On November... By the way, I don't know if you wrote that down, if you did, and cut it out. But he bought the motorcycle with the dollars that he stole from the... No, I didn't write that down. Yeah, they, no, he bought yeah, the... Like, mo- first of all, if you buy anything in dollars... This is Brazil. We don't use dollars. He bought a motorcycle in dollars under someone else's name. Like, that's not suspicious at all, you know? And he said, he told the police officers that um, he bought it with, like, some savings that he had. But he's a drug addict. Drug addicts don't have savings. He has no savings, yeah. So that's, like, well, we're like, okay, you know, this, like, they cracked down because of, you know... Thanks to the drugs, I guess. So, in November 2002, the three of them confessed to the murder of the Richtofen couple. Mm. Um, the very famous TV show, Fantastico, you guys know about it Best right thing. now. You should be watching every Sunday. Mm. Uh, <laughs> mentioned by us in previous episodes. Uh, managed to get an exclusive interview with Suzani. In the beginning of April 2006, they were allowed to interview her as long as there were no video footage of the interview itself. So they went to her lawyer's-slash-guardian's apartment. It was like a weird thing that her lawyer and her had uh, on uh, Morumbi, rich people mm-hmm. side of town. I've actually stayed there once. I didn't like it. It's not the richest anyway. side of town, but it's pretty well to do. Depends on where to live there. Yeah. You, you know, I've, I've shared that on Instagram, the picture of the favela right next to the um, big-ass apartments with the pool and everything. That yeah. is a Monumbi. Like, you have, like, that side-by-side thing. So, I mean. I stayed, when I stayed, I stayed in a hotel that was right across the street from a mall. I don't remember the hotel name. But I know you could just cross the street and get mm-hmm. to the mall. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) irrelevant. Um, On April 5th, 2006, at which time they they encountered a young 22-year-old woman who talked and dressed like a child. Mm. She wore bunny slippers, a Minnie Mouse t-shirt, and her bangs covered her eyes at all times. And she began the interview by showing pictures of the family friends. Ah. Suzanne stated that she hated her boyfriend a lot and that he had destroyed her family. Oh, sure. Oh, poor her. Mm. Uh, the crew captured the, a conversation between the lawyer and Suzanne. So, like, once they thought, like, the, like the cameraman or whatever, oh. not the cameraman, <gasps> but, like, the interviewers were away, the microphone was still on, so it was still recording. Oh. <laughs> So uh, the lawyer advised her to cry during during the interview so it would make her seem more, like, compassionate or whatever. Uh, The interview went on air on April 9, 2006, exposing the farce as something Mm -hmm. her defense team wanted to use to show her as a sweet, 
traumatized girl who was brainwashed to do what she did. Sure. She could have never thought something like that, you know? Yeah. Not her, the snake. <laughs> the first day of the trial was set to June 5th, 2006. The brothers' lawyers alleged that they weren't able to meet with their clients prior to the trial in order to prepare a proper defense, and that their trial was canceled. Suzanne's trial was canceled after uh, her lawyers argued with the judge over witness absence. <laughs> the new trial was set so to ratchet. July 17th, 2006, and they were sentenced on Saturday, July 22nd at 2 a.m., Suzanne and Danielle were sentenced to 39 years in prison plus six months for the murder of Manfred and Marisa. 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 Yeah. Oh my god. In October 31st, 2002, in their home in Brooklyn. The base sentencing was 16 years plus four, four, plus four, plus four for the aggravating crimes of each of the murders. Each of them had uh, their sentence cut out by a year. Suzanne because she was under 21 at the time, and Danielle because he confessed. Christian was sentenced to 38 years and 6 months. His base sentencing was four, was 15 years plus 4 years for the aggravating crimes in each of the murders. He also uh, had his sentence reduced by a year since he confessed. Good for him. Though the sentence to 40 years is, we all know, the max uh, staying in prison that you can have in Brazil is 30 years. Suzanne was initially sent to the female section of Karanjiro, where uh, Danielle was taken to building 1 and Christian to building 2. She was as isolated in a cell with a bed, TV, a shower, and a toilet. She requested that the brother and her grandma visit her. In 2013... <laughs> <laughs> so, they gave the right to this open sentence in 2013. And, I mean, we talked about it before. The, you, you know, go out to prison and come back and come out come back or no no that's the the semi open is it that's yeah where they stay out all day and come back to sleep in the prison they left the prison on may 10th 2013 for the first time since 2020 since 2006 for mother's day yay in August 2014, Suzanne was, was awarded a semi-open sentencing because uh, she was being allowed to work during the day and sleep at night in prison. Like a hotel, you know. According mm-hmm. to the judge, Swedi Jujibirarmani, she had been incarcerated for 12 years in a model prisoner. Her lawyer stated that she had started to work as an office admin. A week after being awarded the semi-open sentence, Suzanne requested to be in prison in prison uh, in back. The we talked about the prison before, on the Therimbe, first. Yeah. Was it the, Keep me up with no, Therimbe. the second episode with uh, the Nardoni. Isabella Nardoni. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same prison that the mom was at, and we said we're gonna make the meme with all the the famous prisoners <laughs> there and there. Now we have yes. two. We need to talk. We need to talk more about them before we make yeah. the meme. Because oh. there's, like, at least four there. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I remember the episode I said that there was the Orange the New Black happening there with the the prisoner that didn't look like she was, you know, she looked like Piper or whatever. That's this one. That's Suzanne. <laughs> now you guys know. Exactly. Now you guys getting the all the inside jokes. You see? How great. How yeah. great is it? You've finally been rewarded for listening to this. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> 
You get nothing. You, you get a meme. We're going to post but it on But useless information. Well, we need to talk about more cases. From So far, we have two people from Tim and Ben. We need a few more people, yeah. and then we can make a meme. Okay. We'll make a shirt about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she said that she had been ostracized at Karanjiru and that she needed the wages that she made at Timber where she got along with the other prisoners. You know. <laughs> I don't like those bad people. I like these bad people. Exactly. Surprise, surprise, guys. Guess what? On October 2014, Suzani announced her wedding to another inmate, Sandra Regina Ruiz Gomez. She was known... <laughs> As Sandrão, or in English, Big Sandra. Um, this woman, Sandra, was sentenced to 27 years for the kidnapping and murder of a teenager in Sao Paulo. Perfect so match. they're like, yeah, per- match. like this is like 99% on Match.com. I appreciate that they are able to find love in prison. Sandra, let me tell you. We'll talk about this later. But she was the ex-girlfriend of a woman that we have to cover on a future episode. I'm not going to say who. The initials are MM. No. No. Really? Yes. So she was her girlfriend before she married Suzanne. In order to... (gasps) No. In order to live as a couple... Suzani had to sign a document recognizing their relationship, which was a requirement for inmates living together. With this document, she moved from the evangelical, because of course she became a fucking Christian Mm. as soon as she got to fucking jail. Um, Mm. She moved from the evangelical section to the married inmate section of the prison, (laughs) where she and Sandra shared a space with other eight couples. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a married... Married what? inmate section. Um, what? Yeah. Ex- what? Don't ask um, me what? about it. A married <laughs> inmate section? It's where they all have sex, <laughs> probably. Excuse me? So there's, there's like, a lot, like, a lot, a lot of information about this couple. Because, <laughs> you know, Brazil's homophobic as fuck. So they see lesbian murders, and they, they're very curious about it. But I'm not going to waste my time talking about it, because I don't feel yeah. like they deserve... The recognition and my time talking about yeah. two pieces of shit. Yeah, I, I want to make myself clear that I laughed at them. But I didn't laugh because they're, they're lesbians because of gay. No, I laughed because they're fucking prisoners. They're, they're prisoners you know I mean? convicted like, of murder. It's just, I don't know, I find that comical. I just... like. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I should dignify them by saying anything about their sick relationship i mean i guess everyone deserves love right but um in may 2016 suzani was put in solitary confinement at the trembe prison Mm -hmm. because she provided the wrong address to which she was heading uh, on mother's day so they let her out for mother's day and um of course she had to visit her mom yeah i know right because anyway so with the semi-open um (laughs) like sentencing or whatever i guess the prisoner has to say hey I'm, i don't know i'm going to Susie's house on 123 main street so mm-hmm. she lied about the address and they went to check on her and she wasn't there so that's why she was put in I wonder where she went fucking hell uh, <laughs> so that's why she was put in solitary confinement february 2017 Suzani was approved for a federal student loan 
a fucking murderer. Like, there's so many people that need federal student loans, and this bitch-ass bitch is getting one. Mm. Called Fies, so that she could attend a private university while in semi-opening sentencing at Tremembe. And they complain about affirmative action. Yeah, exactly. She is set to study business administration at a traditional Catholic school. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of speculation regarding the money the Von Hichthofen had, including corruption scandals. But, I mean, I think that in respect to the victims, we need to keep all that out of the way and just focus on, you know, how their life ended because that's honestly what we're interested in. But, I mean, like... I don't know, I think trying to make him look bad or trying to justify it or yeah. you know, by some kind of cosmic karma is not a good thing that we can do. Yeah. But anyways, Andreas had been determined to be the sole heir to the family fortune as the judicial system has deemed Suzanne unworth of it. Yeah. Congratulations, judicial system, you're right. I seen her say, like, on that interview I watched, she had, like, a two hours long interview, like, the most boring shit ever on YouTube, but um, that she didn't even want the money. Yeah, I heard her saying that she, yeah. all she wanted was her family, like, to visit her, but I guess there was, like, like a psychological evaluation of her, um, her brother, and, like, the psychiatrist mm-hmm. was like, yeah, like, you should never, like, approach your sister again, because she's basically yeah, they poison. Don't have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. She said that they haven't talked until the trial. Yeah. Like since the trial not until. Which since. is sad for her because I'm sure he has like yeah. his grandparents. Well, it's funny cuz like her grandmother, her mom's mom actually stood up for her mm. for a lot of the time. Mm. Like she was the only person that was yeah. by her side. Which I mean, I guess it's important to have support, but I feel like I feel so outraged when I see people supporting bad people, but I can't understand it's her grandma. Yeah. So. Yeah, Nana wants, wants to believe that she didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, everyone kind of deserves support, but, you know, only if you're not a piece of shit, I think, you know. Yeah, but it's funny because, like, I've seen, I saw a video of this girl. I forget her name, but she's, like, famous-ish. Um, her dad was a serial mm. killer, and she talks a lot about, like, how people, like, start seeing the family as, like, something mm-hmm. different, like, not human. So I feel bad for mm-hmm. her family because, like, her choices made them less human in the eyes of many people. I don't know if you've seen the TED Talk with mm. um, one of the Columbine murders, the mom. <gasps> yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I felt I so bad because like yeah. it's not her fault but a lot of people can't a, a lot of people are like why did you raise this mm-hmm. kid like this what about the yeah yeah but it's not always their fault anyway just wanted to get it out of the way so yeah how did you guys feel about brazil right now guys yeah you guys have a good opinion about us you should because kira no. and i are pretty and we're smart and we're amazing so love us <gasps> aren't we the best we're the best so, this was, like, a big, big, big yeah. heavy hitter. Probably, like, as I said, top three. Huge hitter. Huge, huge, huge. Top three Brazilian crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, if anyone did a podcast about Brazilian crime, this had they would to be, choose this case. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> we're doing a podcast about <laughs> no, but like if a big podcast exactly they were like, all right, we need we need to do some Brazil crimes exactly. Then it would Google Brazil crimes and this one would pop up and they'll look at her and be like, oh shit, this lady killed her. And then exactly, exactly. Even though I've seen a podcast like American podcast covering the murder that shall not be named. Does it start with a B? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen one American podcast covering yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's cool because it is the, I think the top one case in my. I mean, in recent history, I would think so, but I wouldn't yeah. say like it isn't the most interesting case, yeah. but it is like the most. It's a uh, it's a big case, case like know? a big case involving like sexism. I think. Yep. Can't wait to cover that one. We should do like the hundredth episode. No. Like, we keep talking and talking and talking and talking and about it. And someone's going to create Dion. a podcast and just do it. And they're going to, like, become famous <laughs> and steal our thunder. Yeah. And we're going to be like, oh, okay. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I am getting kind of anxious about, like, covering the big cases. Because I'm like, if I cover it now, I can't cover it later. We like, can I'm always revisit that. it. We're going to run out of cases. Yeah, I mean, if there's yeah, there's always going to be, like, updates. Like, Suzani, there's probably going to yeah. be an update on her. Like, I can only imagine mm-hmm. that she's going to be set free soon. Because I'm going to cut this part. But <laughs> he was set free. And he was a fucking murderer. So you know what that is, right? It's very familiar to me. It's the guy that killed. I'm gonna cut this out. You, he killed. Both of them are free. <gasps> that's true. He was yes. Both of them are free, free. Him and his yeah. wife. So I feel like she's yeah. gonna be set free pretty soon. Oh no, she's definitely gonna be set free soon. Also because of the, the 30 year thing. But even if it's, it isn't 30, you know, like you think that 30 years pass really slowly, but it doesn't. Like, yeah. People will get set free, and they get set free like even before that. If you're, like, a model prisoner. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And honestly, I saw an interview with Suzanne. She had, like, makeup on, like, had her nails done, like, earrings on. It's not like, a, you know, sad prison khaki walls kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, dirty floors. It looked really... I don't know if it's because she was on TV or what. But, you know what I mean? She said, like, yeah, we do each other's nails or whatever. And she, like... She's fucking happy. You know, so it doesn't. It didn't seem to me like he was like a max security. She's fucking happy, like, you know why? Because like she knows that like one, she's a fucking little rich girl, so she's never gonna get like abused and like sexually assaulted, sexually assaulted in prison because mm-hmm. she has money to protect herself, whether we like it or not. Okay, yeah. they froze her family's access, assets, assets. But, like, she still has influence. She's still, like, a rich girl in yeah, prison. she has some by her side. I'm sure that she protects her. It's not like that guy. I remember watching this when I was little. I don't know if you watched it. Like, do you remember Programa do Hachim? I remember mm-hmm. this one time they had this guy on that he was literally, this is so sad, he was arrested for stealing a bottle of shampoo mm-hmm. and the police officers blinded him. Because he stole a bottle of shampoo. So it's not like she'll ever have to go through that. Because she won't. Like, let's be real. She'll never mm-hmm. go through that. Mm-mm. So. No. She doesn't give a fuck. No. Yeah. And I don't know. I always get so bothered with the way her case is covered on the media. You know? Yeah. It's like, like why would this girl 
do this? Yeah, oh, they're perfect girl. Like this? They're rich Yeah, girl. why would this blonde white girl do that? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, what? Go find yourself. You know? Like, yeah, I mean, it's okay to do those questionings, but it's like, this case, I think, got big because... She was like... Of, you yeah. know, what she looked like. It's sort of like... So that sucks, because... I feel really bad for saying this, but it's sort of like the JonBenet Ramsey case. Like, yeah, that's one of the most famous little girl murder cases, but there's, like, so much more worse mm. stuff out there that doesn't get covered because the little girl wasn't blonde and yeah. blue-eyed. And it's like, they didn't give, like, the other murderers, the people that actually did the crime, that actually beat her parents up. Yeah. Like, a fraction of the action. Uh, yeah, the they're always, like, the background people. Yeah. Yeah, like, they, 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 she didn't kill them, you know? She didn't kill the parents. She ordered the hit, yeah, but she didn't, like, physically kill them. Exactly. But she is the murderer. She is the monster. Like, what? Exactly. You know? I'm not defending her, but, like, just the way it's covered, it says a lot about this. I'm just glad that she got, like, as many years as the yeah other people got, you know? Because she deserves it. I'm really it. glad because of that, yeah. Because, you know, I don't know. And, uh, that's obvious, but, of course, they broke up in prison, her and the Yeah, because so. she's married to Sandra. You know, <laughs> yeah. So much for trying to be together, right? Yep. Much for, you know, not wanting to have a job now or she's in prison. So the moral of this story, kids, <laughs> get, your, get a job. Yes. You know, I almost said a line of another podcast and I, I'm not going to do Yeah. It. But, like, don't be a bum. <laughs> don't feel entitled. Your parents are successful. No, Good for not. them. You didn't do shit. Yeah, your parents you don't You are privileged shit. as they hell. They you shit. Like me, like, I like I'm honestly like I'm not I'm like beyond broke but I I know that I'm privileged to be here. I know there's so many people in mm. Brazil that wish they could be here right now. So I need yeah. to be grateful for it, not take it for granted. Yeah, everybody has their own privileges, you know, and I think recognizing it is a step to, you know, overcoming like the difficulties you have in life because you already realize that you have so much. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and I think that's where Suzanne kind of sinned, you know, because she didn't realize that. I think that's how the sh- like she got, sh- you know, a shock because of it. It's like, what do you mean my life's not gonna go exactly, exactly how I want it to? Like, what do you mean I have? I'm gonna have to work for this? And what do you mean, like, you don't like my boyfriend exactly the way he is? Exactly. You know. So, yeah. Guys, your parents do not have to approve every relationship you have. Also, breaking news. But yeah, I'm but like, if you want to live with your parents and they have rules, you sort of like have no other choice unless mm-hmm. you want to get a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you. I mean, I see a lot of people like having problems with their parents and stuff, and you know, like I can't wait to get the hell out of this house and do my own stuff. But yeah, I think it's easier sometimes. Like instead of like buying a fight with your parents. You know, just wait until you can, like, leave and get financially independent because even if they're critics of you after you leave, you, you're you independent. Like, you're your own self, you know? So don't really, don't buy five of your parents. Like, it's not worth it as when you're living with them. Yes. And after. Like, don't, like, don't be an asshole just because you want to be an asshole, exactly. you know? This is Carol's advice hour. That's, that was our, that was our lecture for today. 
you follow it, yes. you will be doing great in life. Make America great mm-hmm. again. And <laughs> yes. It all circles back to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ow. Okay, I think we need to end this episode so we can record another yes. one. Yeah, what I'm did you break? Don't kick huh? the dog. Oh my god. No, she I mean Guys, I need to tell you guys, you don't choose your own siblings, right? So my dog she's a devil. I love her, but she is like there she's like sitting I have like a vacuum cleaner like here by the table and she's like sitting next to it. And if I move my feet, she's like barking at me because she thinks I want a vacuum. What time is it? Like one in the morning. I'm not gonna vacuum. But yeah. I'm gonna kick her now. Gonna, not kick her. I'm gonna touch her. Tap her lightly with my foot. It's gonna bark. Oh. You see? Yeah. Again. There you go. See you guys. <laughs> See you later, guys. <laughs> Have a good day or whatever. Oh, with man. Carol's crazy ass dog. <laughs> Ciao. Uh, Ciao, guys.